This is the Oceans Church Podcast, where we believe in connecting people to Jesus, the one who changes it all. To learn more about Oceans, view upcoming events, or find info about ways to give, please visit oceanschurch.org. Thanks for visiting the podcast. Enjoy today's message. All right. Hey, didn't this worship team do an amazing job? Come on, let's give it up for them. Man, it's so easy to connect with heaven when they're leading worship. Like, and, and, and they sound really good. I mean, you guys sound really good. You guys should play together more often. It's really good. Uh, my name is Michael. I, I have the blessing of being um, the lead pastor here and leading this church. And I just want to say that you are truly an incredible church that carries the culture that God put on Jamie and I's heart to, to plant here in, in the city of Destin. We didn't know anybody. God gave us a dream. Next Sunday, we're turning four as a church. It's our fourth birthday. Come on. The first two years was COVID. That sucked, right? Last two years, we've been learning. We've been growing. God's been faithful. And um, another thing I want to celebrate is tomorrow is my wife and I's 24th wedding anniversary. My first and only wife, the wife of my youth, my better half, my prime rib. You complete me. So we're going to go up to Georgia and just go up into the mountains and pitch a tent there. No, I'm kidding. No, we got an Airbnb and just the two of us are going to get away for a few days and get refreshed and reconnect. And um, so I celebrate you. We were 12 when we got married. That's... Why we look so young, you know, 24 years marriage. Hey, um, by the way, if you're like an Oceans uh, regular, you'll notice that there's not a screen, like the center screens are gone. Uh, that's because um, we took them down last Sunday after church, and um, somebody uh, blessed the church with a brand new LED wall that's being installed next week. And so it's going to be 16 foot wide by 9 foot tall. It's going to be legit. And, uh, and that's because people decided to bless the church. And so um, you guys, I just want to say you guys are an amazing, uh, generous church. Last Sunday, I preached on a topic that I've never preached on before in this church. Been leading this church for four years, never preached on tithing, not one time. We don't pass the bucket here, the chicken bucket, right? We don't do like a money grab. We don't pressure people to give, but you guys are a generous church and um, I want to say last week when I responded, um, when, I, when I wrapped up the message, um, I had so many people come up to me saying, not only sharing stories about God's faithfulness because of their obedience to tithe and to return that which is the Lord's back to him, but I also had an incredible amount of people say, the Holy Spirit con- convicted me so heavy. And I know that I haven't been honoring the Lord. I know I haven't even been honoring the Lord with my business, but today that's going to change. And there was an overwhelming response. And for that, I just want to say that I'm incredibly proud of you and I'm blessed to be your pastor. We've been in this sermon series called Old School Sunday School for um, several months now. And we've been looking at old school Sunday school stories that many of us grew up on. And and as I've been diving into these stories, I'm realizing that there's a lot of people that weren't raised in Sunday school not even raised in church. I, I've been recently meeting people that are in their mid to late 20s that this was the first church they ever walked foot in. 
in their entire life. And so I never want to take for granted, like, who's in the room for the first time, maybe entering into a church. And if this is your first time today, again, I, I don't preach on tithing every weekend, okay? Um, but it is a principle in God's word. Last week, we looked at the story of Cain and Abel. And this morning, we're going to continue the story of Cain and Abel. I told you last week that this will be a two-part sermon and that we're going to be focusing on three different things in this story. Week one, we're going to look at point one. Week two, which is this morning, we're going to be looking at part, uh, point two and three. And so the three points are, just as a refresher, or if you weren't here last week, uh, the three points are the heart behind the offering. We, we talked about that last week. This morning, we're going to be looking at the destructive power of jealousy and the path of redemption. But before I recap last Sunday's message, we're going to refresh ourselves with the story again. We're going to be reading the same passage of Scripture, Genesis 3, um, Genesis 4, verses 3 through 16. And it says this, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the first flock, the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? And this is, this is such a powerful line right here. He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? God was giving Cain an opportunity to do the right thing in this moment. He was giving him a space of repentance, an opportunity to go back because what we find as we read is that Cain was robbing from the Lord what actually belonged to the Lord. This is the first place that we see the tithe instituted in scripture, Genesis chapter four, all the way back to the beginning. And so it predated the law of Moses by many, many, many hundreds and hundreds of years. And we can see that it also continued even in the New Testament where Jesus told the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23, that they ought to tithe. A tithe means tenth. Literally means a tenth. It's a tenth of all your increase. And so I said last week that we don't give our tithes. We don't pay our tithes. We return the tithe because the the tithe belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to us. And so Cain was robbing God. We even see that in Malachi chapter 3, where the Lord tells the people of Israel, you have robbed me. And they said, how have we robbed you? And the Lord said, with your tithes and offerings. And because you have not honored me, a curse has been placed upon you and the land. And he said, put me to the test. Test me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be a need among you. It's the only place in scripture where God actually said, test me, prove me, try me, and see if I will not back up my word. And so we don't give to get, right? This isn't the prosperity gospel. We don't say, you know, like there's plenty of those preachers on TV that are like, sow a seed of $1,000 and I'll send you a handkerchief that you can rub on your Cadillac of your choice and God's going to give it to you. No, we don't give We don't return the tithe to the Lord to get something from him. But the fact of the matter is, is there are benefits of tithing. It says God rebukes the devourer over our life, over our finances. And so 
He's, tell, he's pleading with Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But then he gives this warning. He says, but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must, you must rule over it. And it's like the Lord is pleading with Cain, take control of that thing. You must rule over this thing, this sin that's entering into your heart. And so we see then, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out in the field. And I said last week, I got a brother Eli that used to beat me up all the time, right? So, you know, if he told me, let's go out in the field, that was going to be a bad day, right? But while we were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen. Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crop for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Like, why was God saying this? Why was God saying that like, why did God reject the offering? I said last week it, it had nothing to do with the fact that Abel offered the Lord prime rib steaks, right? Uh, like juicy fat steaks and that, that, Ab, uh, that Cain offered vegetables, right? It, the, the tithe was based upon their profession. That was their income. And so we see in verse 13, it says this. The Lord says, will no longer... Yield its, oh wait, I'm sorry, verse 13. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence and I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now I wanna say this. Last week I made a statement that was actually not biblically accurate. And so I want to I tell you what I said last week. I, as I was preparing for this message, I, I, I continued to read on in chapter 4, and I saw that Cain had a son named Enoch. And I was like, well, that must be the Enoch that the Lord loved and walked so close to the Lord that he, he was no longer, like God took him from the earth. And and then, but no, <laughs> there was another Enoch in Genesis, right around, close to the same place. Uh, that was the, um, the son of, of Seth, which is also the brother of Cain and Abel. Okay, so it's from the same family line, obviously, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring that up because I never want to say something from the pulpit that isn't accurate and true. And so um, this morning, we're going to be moving into the destructive power of jealousy that we see in this in this story here. I want to start by saying every one of us in this room have experienced jealousy, right? You might have jealousy in your heart even right now towards another person. Um, and if you don't have it, there's probably going to come a time real soon where you might have jealousy towards someone. The fact of the matter is, is every one of us has jealousy that desires to creep in. And so it, jealousy can be in, found in many forms. Like it could be 
um, jealous of someone's financial success, someone's material possessions. Like you, you were happy with your house until, until your friend built a house on the beach that's bigger than yours, right? You were happy with your car until your buddy got the newer version with more g- gadgets and gizmos, right? Uh, ladies, you were happy with your Kate Spade until you found that your girlfriend just got the Louis Vuitton. You were happy, guys, with the Seiko until your buddy got the Rolex, right? Like, we, we become jealous, and, and, and to even go a little bit darker, we even become jealous of the spouses that people are, other people are married to. I, I wish that I had her wife. Well, I wish I had I wish I, was that her wife? No, no. I know it's 2023, okay? But this is, this is not one of those churches, all right? She says, I wish I had her husband. He said, I wish I had his wife. Did I say that right that time? My gosh, I'm sweating right now. But you begin telling yourself, that should be me. That should be my life. I, 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 that person's living my life. I should be the one getting the promotion. I should be the one being celebrated. After all, I was faithful. I'd put the work in. And now this person's being honored above me and celebrated. And now that person got the promotion for the position that should be mine. Proverbs 14.30 says this, jealousy is like a cancer in the bones. At the very core, like from the marrow, it rots you from the inside out. It consumes every aspect of your life. It consumes your thoughts, and and, and it manifests in in many ways. It manifests in anger. It manifests in hatred. It manifests in fear, insecurity. Uh, How about this one? A critical tongue, a critical spirit about other people become judgmental. It leads to an unthankful heart, leads to hatred, leads to bitterness. It leads to a victim mindset. That should be me. It's selfish. It's prideful. And it's destructive. Listen what James chapter 3 verse 14 has to say about jealousy. However, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, then stop bragging and live, living in ways that deny the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Instead, it is from the earth, natural, and what? Demonic. It's demonic. He's saying that jealousy and this selfish ambition is demonic. Its origin is hell. Okay? It comes from the pit of hell. And it is literally a gateway for evil to enter into your life and for sin to, to have a grip over you. Because the Lord is saying, hey, listen, if you do what is right, won't I accept you? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to to have you. But you must resist it. Titus 3.3 says this, we were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, and slaves to our own desires and various pleasures too. We were spending our lives in evil behavior and jealousy. We were disgusting. And we hated other people. Whoo! 
Now, I grew up in a church that was pretty darn charismatic. I mean, it was the church that, like, there was a mosh pit up front. Like, you know, people were packed at the altar before worship started so they could just get their worship on. The whole place is like a house party. Everybody's dancing. There's banners. There's people shouting in tongues. Like, it's wild. It's off the hook. Like, it's, like, crazy, right? And it was communion Sunday, And the pastor, just like this morning, and the pastor said, hey, before we receive the communion, if you have unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart towards someone that's in this room, I want you to go to them right now, and I want you to ask for forgiveness. And so I'm like, oh, man, that's really cool. Until somebody walked up to me. (laughs) And it was a friend of like five years. And he looks at me and he goes, Michael, he goes, I got to ask you to forgive me. I was like, oh, bro, man, for what? And he goes, I've been daydreaming about murdering you. (laughs) I was like, why? He goes, I'm just so jealous of you. You have a beautiful wife. You can sing. You you, you can play piano and guitar and bass. And like, you have all these gifts and you make jewelry and you cut hair and you cook. And like, I don't have any any of that. I'm short and my hair is like, I'm going bald and I'm in my 20s. And I was like, I'm I'm sorry. And I was like, "I, I forgive you. It was really awkward. <laughs> that would be awkward, wouldn't it? It's like your friend comes up to you, hey, but I've been thinking about killing you. Like, you know. <laughs> Jealousy leads to a murdered soul. But where does it come from? Where does jealousy come from? We know that its origin is from the pit of hell, but how does it manifest in us as, as people? We could think that jealousy towards others is caused by feelings of insecurity, and yes, that's part of it, or the fear of abandonment, and yes, that's part of it, but it goes so much deeper than that. Yesterday, as I was in God's presence and as I was meditating on this message, I really felt like the Lord said that at the core, jealousy stems from an orphaned spirit, a spirit that has been orphaned. And here's the thing, you are either going to live your life with the revelation that you are the beloved chosen of God and that your life is under a blessing or you will live your life believing that you are under a curse and God has somehow rejected you. An orphan spirit fighting to be seen, fighting for attention, fighting to be loved, fighting to be accepted, fighting to be celebrated, fighting for everything that, that I have need of and, and I, I have to hoard it for myself because after all, like, I'm in this thing alone. When you, when you live from the revelation that you've been chosen by God, you start to live from a place of security in God, knowing that God sees you, that God knows you, 
that God loves you and that God has chosen you. And it's from this place of security that you become free from the fear of others being chosen over you. And you realize that you're not in competition with anyone and you become the champions of others that you once wouldn't celebrate, the the people that you were once jealous of. You begin celebrating them in their success, in their victories, in their wins. Why? Because you realize that your life is under a blessing and you've been chosen by God. You no longer have to compete. You no longer feel threatened by their chosenness because you know that your life is under a blessing and favored by God rather than a curse. Isn't that powerful? And from this revelation, we begin to live from our true identity as children of God. Because the fact of the matter is all of us are born with a false identity. The scripture tells us that we were born in iniquity. We were born in sin. We were born sinners. We were born dead in our trespasses, dead in our sin. We weren't born pure and perfect. And, and from that, from that orphan spirit, we begin living with a false identity. And we try to get from man what only God can give us. We try to get the world to tell us who we are because we don't know who we are. We, we, we go on social media and we scroll and we compare our lives to theirs. They're chosen, I'm not. Every post that I'm making is, is false. It's just, it's a facade to make it look like I'm chosen, to make it look like I'm somewhere where I'm not, to make it look like I have more money than I, I, than I have because you are looking to get from the world what only God can give you and that is that place of security. That is that identity. And we get our identity how? We get our identity because the fact of the matter is, is we were all orphans. Maybe not physically, but spiritually, we were all orphans. And it was through Christ that Christ accepted us and that he received us as his own and adopted us into his family. And he said, you are orphans no longer. For now, you cry, Abba, Father. You're chosen. You're under a blessing. You don't have to live with a facade any longer. You don't have to prove yourself to the world because I love you and I see you and you're my beloved. You no longer have to compete. You no longer feel threatened by their chosenness. And from this revelation, you begin to live, like I said, from that true identity, no longer living as orphaned spirits that has to fight to be seen and loved and valued and accepted. You no longer have to prove yourself to others. When you begin to live in the truth that you are chosen, you begin to experience peace for the first time, contentment for the first time, and a sense of true belonging. And it's in this space that fear is dispelled and it's replaced with love. And the giving and receiving of love becomes natural and easy for you. Love begins to flourish in your heart and you realize you're not in competition for, 
with others for God's love and God's attention. God sees you. God knows you. You don't have to go over here. Hey, God, I'm over here. I'm over here, God. God, don't look at them. Look at me. You don't have to do that because you are his. You're, you're no longer orphans. You are his beloved, the, this, the apple of his eye, the very center of his focus, that God sees you. He knows your every need, and he loves you so much. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. 37, it's the greatest commandments. Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I want to say this. God told me this yesterday, man. It was wild. You can't walk out the second commandment without first walking out the first commandment. You can't love your neighbor as yourself before loving God with all of your heart. But also, you can't walk out the first without the revelation that you are chosen and that you are the beloved. Why? Because our love from others stems from our capacity to receive love from God. And if you've been wondering, why do I have such a hard time? Why am I angry? Why do, why do I have such a challenge loving my spouse, loving my wife, or loving my husband, or loving my neighbor? Like, why, why do I have such a hard time with this love thing? It's because you're, you, you see your life as under a curse, and because of that, you simply cannot believe that God loves you. You can't receive God's love for yourself, and you can't give to God, and you can't give to others what you can't receive from yourself. It's a love problem. And so God wants us to see ourselves as under a blessing and chosen you might be in the room this morning and your own mother and father rejected you. Maybe you were abandoned. Maybe they told you that you were a mistake. I, I know there's people in this room that have heard that. But you were not a mistake. He knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He knit you together. Your every cell and every fiber of your being radiates, reflects, and refracts the glory and the majesty of our creator. You're the most crowning jewel of his creation. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Well, I don't love myself. He loves you. I have a hard time believing that. He loves you. He loves you because he is love. Jealousy kills love. It's the enemy of love. It's the enemy of our love for God, our love for people, and even our love for ourselves. Accepting ourselves as the miracle that God created us to be. Do you realize that you're a miracle? God wants you to stop rejecting yourself. He wants you to stop talking bad about yourself, negative about yourself. He wants you to stop that inner dialogue that just shames you and tells you that you're not enough. And if anyone really knew who you were, nobody would love you. Nobody would accept you. People would think that you're a freak. 
that breaks the heart of God because it's so contrary to what God says over you in the scripture. And those thoughts, they don't come from you. They come from the pit of hell because anything that's contrary to the word of God, contrary to what God says about you is a lie from the pit of hell. It's an exalted thought. It's a prideful, arrogant thought. He wants you to accept yourself. You're a miracle. It's only one of you. Nobody else has your fingerprints. Don't tell me that God made a mistake on you. He doesn't make mistakes. He's perfect in all of his ways. You might even be here and you might have a a physical disability. I want to tell you, God's perfect in all of his ways. He designed you with perfection for the glory of God. Freedom from jealousy. It comes from accepting that you are the miracle that God created you to be. Freedom from jealousy comes from acknowledging that Your life is not under a curse, it's under a blessing. That you're not rejected by God, but you're chosen by God. Freedom from jealousy comes from repentance. Repentance of our sin, repentance of our prideful thoughts about ourselves, about other people. And so if you're here this morning and you have jealousy in your heart towards another Take a moment and ask the Lord, where's this coming from? What's the root of my jealousy? Ask yourself, what have I placed all my security in in life? Is it being a child of God? Or is it in my false identity? How much money I have? how many material possessions I have, how many likes and subscribers and comments I have on my social feeds. Because that's your false self. And we project a false self to a broken world longing to be accepted. But when you project your false self, you're never truly accepted because you're never truly seen. And God wants you to stop hiding as Adam and Eve hid in the garden from him because of their shame. And and Jesus wants you to come to him and he wants you to sit with him because he has some things that he wants to say to you, that he loves you. And regardless of the sin, regardless of the mistakes, regardless of the rebellion, regardless how many times you fell, if you're here and you're breathing, He's the God of the second chance, the God of the third chance. He's the God of redemption, and he loves you. This is the redemption we have. It's not through changing our behavior. It's not through works of the flesh. It's not through our religious duties. It's simply just accepting the fact that we're loved by God. 
The path of redemption is humility, repentance, and acceptance. So have you humbled yourself before God? If so, he says he'll exalt you. He says that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He says those that humble themselves under the mighty hand of the Lord shall be exalted. Have you repented of your sin? Have you confessed Jesus as your Lord? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you forsaken your false self, your false identity? And have you embraced your true identity, your true value as a child of God? Because nothing in this world will ever satisfy you. No relationship, no amount of money, no amount of success, no amount of the praise of man will ever satisfy you when you are living with an orphan spirit, with a false identity, trying to get from the world what only God can truly give you, looking to the world for your affirmation like heroin in the veins. You need that dopamine hit of those comments, people to tell you how good you are, how great you are. It's ego. It's your false self. Humble yourself. Accept the miracle that God created you to be. Kyler, yeah. God, I thank you for your people here this morning. God, you love them so much. You said we were once orphaned. But those that have received the sacrifice of Christ, you adopt us. You give us the spirit of adoption. And we cry, Abba, Father. And you may have had a bad picture of Father in your life. A Father that was broken. A Father that had his own trauma in his childhood that he never dealt with and he passed it on to you. And so it skewed your picture of God the Father. I'm going to tell you that God wants to heal the image of Father that you were given from your natural father, your biological father. And he wants to tell you, I've always loved you. I've always chosen you. I've never stopped thinking about you. You've always been in the center of my gaze. And I love you so much that I was willing to give my one and only son so that you could be my son so that you could be my daughter God show us the false facade that we carry around even as Christians afraid to show our, our brokenness having this feeling where like if we share our brokenness in the house of God we're going to be judged and not accepted but God all we like sheep have fallen 
We've all wandered. And the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you said if we will believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and if we'll confess with our mouth that he is our Lord, we will be saved. God, we need a Savior. We need a Savior, Lord. And there's no natural man that can save us from the destruction of our sin and our brokenness, but you. You're our Savior. And we choose you. And we choose to follow you today. And we choose to believe that you've chosen us. And we choose that we are children of God. Lord, because we want to live from a place of of security. We don't want to fight to be seen, fight to be heard, fight to be loved because we know that you love us. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook or Instagram for updates, service info, and ways to get involved here at Ocean's Church. Be sure to give this episode a rating as it allows us to connect more people to Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again soon.